welcome to lucky number three of Visibility. I have with me my co-host, Michael Doeys. Hello, Michael. Hello, Alicia. It's good we're on the third episode. This is becoming a regular thing. <laughs> oh, it's not regular until we reach 21, because that's when we actually make it a habit. No, that, that that's when you're all grown up. Oh, really? All right, then. <laughs> drinking age, you know? Drinking age. I meant episode 21, but okay. That That's what I mean, too. Drinking, you know? <laughs> almost like years. I mean, mm. if this goes for 21 years, that's going to be a long time. Mm. I hope it goes for 21 years. Right? I hope I'm... I hope I hope this podcast is round around long enough to see twenty one years. <laughs> if if they're even called podcasts in twenty one years, <laughs> I know they right. could be like brain broadcasts or something. We could have a brain chip cast. in our head. Brain, brain cast. Brain cast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I should probably introduce the other mysterious voice in the background. We have we have brought along our guest Taylor Arndt. Hello. Hello, hey, Alicia. I am Hi. back again. This is awesome. All right. Today's episode, the right tool for the right job. We're talking tech tools today. Tech tools for your business. Stuff to automate your life, what you need to do, best software for you, et cetera, et cetera. Recommendations will happen here. Tons. All right. You want to kick this one off, Michael? Sure. So I thought it would be a good topic to talk about if you're starting a business, you know, we talked about how to form a business last time. And this time it's what are some of the best tools to make it to where you can run your business effectively without the headaches. And, you know, there's good practices, there's bad practices, and and we'll talk about those today, I think. And so it's important to think about if you're if you're starting a business, what are some ideas for tools that you can use for your business and and it all depends on the type of business and the size of the business. You know, Techopolis is like my business is a little bit bigger than say what Taylor and Alicia are doing for their businesses. So what I might use is different from what they might use. And so we will have a range of perspectives on this podcast. And then I'll also bring in some perspectives that I know from some other friends that are doing business. And we'll we'll kind of go through those things. So let's talk about just kind of the basics here. And that is what software should you use to manage your everyday life with your business? So I'm talking about your your software. When you get up in the morning and you start work, what is the first thing you typically do is check your email. And I think there's a wide range of applications that people use to do this. I could tell you for me, uh, Mac Mail is my preference, but Alicia and Taylor, what do you guys use? I use the Mail app for iPad or Samsung Mail on my phone, basically. I mean, it's simple as that. I mean, it's already there. I just have all of my emails on one page in the app, in the Apple email app. And for the Samsung app, I just have my business email. But for like personal emails, I just have for personal emails and like company Gmail for Techopolis since we, you know, work together. I have, you know, Gmail on my phone. I don't feel the need to download another app on my iPad since my iPad actually has a immaculate email app. The Samsung app 
is only, I kind of just use that to peer at emails whenever I don't have access to my iPad and kind of respond to them. But if I want to do things like schedule an email or attach something, you know, just more extravagant stuff, I would be more up to use my iPad. So yeah, there you go. I use, if I'm on Windows, which I'm a Windows user, I use a combination. So for a while I was using Windows Mail. I've kind of had a lot of problems with that. So I've kind of gone back to my old trusty friend Outlook. Now, of course, with the whole one Outlook thing, basically a whole new client for Outlook. They're combining everything, mail, contacts, calendars, you name it. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm using Outlook. I manage my calendar through Outlook. All my emails are through Outlook, and it works great. On my phone, I just use the mail app most of the time. I do have Outlook installed, though, because sometimes, like, if I want to look at calendars and things, it just syncs up really nice. So I do actually use the Outlook app as well. Okay. So... Yeah, I use, you know, Apple Mail pretty much everywhere. I'm just always in the Apple ecosystem. So Apple Mail just works for me. I can tell you that it's, you know, there are certain things that don't work as well on it, but I I think it works great. I use the calendar app and all those things on, I stay so much on my Mac. I really only go into Windows for gaming and things like that. So it's, you know, you use what works, you know, and it's interesting. Taylor uses, you use Outlook, but I think, you know, for what most people use in a typical work environment that just use Office 365 and Outlook and all those things, I think most people are kind of switching away from the standard just using Outlook for all business communications now because it's just, it doesn't have to be the only way of, of doing work. What about word processors? What what do you guys use? I use, I've gotten to where I use pages and numbers and Keynote as my preferred but docs, sheets, and slides are my kind of secondary. But what do you guys use? Because in, in in the typical workplace, Word, Excel, and PowerPoint are the ones that you use. And I just feel like if I was on Windows, I would still use those. I, I do like them on Windows. But as a Mac user, they are not the best experience visually or with a screen reader. So what are y'all's thoughts? Since I got a hold of my iPad, I have fallen in love with Pages, and I hope to use it on the Mac as well, because it's just so simple and so easy, and everything's an icon, and it's accessible, it's fully accessible, everything's an icon, and it's easily formatted in a way that's easy to understand. I have fallen in love with Pages, and I I want to keep using that once I get my Mac, but my secondary is probably Google Docs. As far as spreadsheets go, I haven't tried out numbers. I haven't tried out numbers yet for 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 Apple, but I have gotten my hands on Google Sheets and Microsoft Excel. Now, Microsoft Excel, I don't know, Google Sheets, I still don't know. I don't know, man. I just don't screw with spreadsheets all that often. Now, for presentation software, probably Keynote. I've used, I haven't used Keynote very long. I kind of played around with it this morning because I'm working on a webinar. But I think Keynote is probably going to be one thing I use a lot. I'm liking it so far. Probably going to use it on my Mac whenever I get that. But 
Now, slides is probably my secondary. I do like slides. It has wonderful themes. It's really easy to use. And it's 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 worked, especially if I couldn't get a hold of something like Microsoft PowerPoint. Now they have a free version, but like, you know, if if you don't, it's kind of limited. So best option is to go with a free software like 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 pages, numbers, pages, numbers, and keynote rather than paying something, you know, if you're a small business, especially, you know, if you have Apple, it's probably best to go for something like pages, numbers, and keynote or some, or if you don't and you're, you know, you've got a small business and you're starting to get started and you don't really have the money to fund something like Word, PowerPoint, and Excel, you can go for something like Docs, Sheets, and Slides. So, yeah. I, I like that. My whole thing is I'm opposite of these two, and I kind of use the standard workplace software. Now, being an accountant and bookkeeper and all these financial titles that I have, spreadsheets, unfortunately, are everyday part of my life. For that reason, because of accessibility and just how widely adopted it is, I use Excel. If I were to do something else, I'd probably do Sheets next. I do have Apple devices, but I just find that Windows is a lot better for me. Of course, I do use a screen reader full-time, so it does enhance my liking of Windows. The other thing that I will say, though, is that depending on, you know, who you are or what you do, you know, different software, like I said, is going to work for everybody. And the PowerPoint and Office Suite, there is a free version, as Alicia alluded to. It is an online-only version, I believe, and it has limited features, but you can also get a personal email, and that's what I actually do, is I just have Office signed up to a personal, and then just use that both for business and personal. That is a really, really great way that I do it, because I always need Office anyway, so I just kind of have it that way. But yeah, that is kind of you know the standard software, just the Word, Excel, PowerPoint for all of my office needs. Yeah, and and for a personal account, Office is fairly inexpensive. It's like 70 a year, which is not Something terrible. Like yeah. Yeah. It's it's not terrible. And that gets you the desktop applications. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Windows user, that's not a bad deal because it's it's just not. It now a family license is ninety nine. So that's really not a bad bad deal either for five users, five or six users. So it just depends on what you need. I I will always keep a copy of Office around just because sometimes I'm in Windows, sometimes I need to use those things. Now, oh, go ahead. I will mention if you have it pre-installed on your device, so like if it comes with Windows, like if it not comes with Windows, but if you're device it like say if you get like a new windows laptop or whatever and that laptop comes pre-installed with word and excel and powerpoint and things like that you do get access to the free version you don't have to use the the online you just have to make sure you 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 yeah you have to make sure you sign in you just get super limited cloud space and you get super super limited use of it let's be 
Let's make sure that people understand, though, that when they typically have it installed, you're not getting Office for free. Yeah. You yeah. are getting the applications for free. And typically what happens is you get three months free of Office. Yes. Yeah. You never get a free Office never. install. So, yeah, you you will need to, your computer will give you three months to use it. And then you have to pay for Office. But yes, that is, you know, they give you a trial and then you can go on from there. But mm -hmm. again, it's like 70 a year. So it's not. Yeah, especially for personal. Unless mm -hmm. if you if you want like a special domain, like to like name at your business dot com or whatever, you definitely have to buy a business uh, business office mm -hmm. so that you can get those compatibilities. And for people, if you're interested in knowing, it's about $7.50 for the basic. If you go monthly, $6 on the yearly paid monthly, which makes no sense. And it's if you want the desktop apps for that, it's about $15 monthly and $12.50 if you want the commitment to a year and pay monthly. So it's like weird. And that's per user, not per family. That's per user. So it's a little bit more expensive, but you do get a lot more. You get access to, well, you get access to access and other publisher and other things that you will not get on the personal plan. Publisher. Oh, my goodness. But they're all great. You know, every solution you pick is going to be good. I mean, if you're a Linux user, there's like LibreOffice and OpenOffice and other things, I guess. But yeah, I, I would just still go with Google Docs. <laughs> yeah. And and slides and, and sheets because you you can just open a web browser. The one issue with, with those, though, is you do have to be on the web. If you are where you do not have internet, there's limited capabilities for those. They do have offline modes, though, as a web apps, which is interesting. They do, yes. Mm -hmm. So those are your options. You know, pick what works best for you. Let's talk about, we've talked about email in our in our office suites, and that's what I was kind of getting at earlier when I said we're off word processors. I'm in office suites. So whatever software you're going to pick, you, you want to make sure that it's customized to what you need and not what others think you need for your business. That's the important thing here for business software. You know, I was, and I did mention office like word processors earlier, but I felt like there's so much to just, you know, talk about here that we should bring it up all the way to office suites. That's why I mentioned numbers, keynotes and all those other things. Yeah. But the one thing to remember though is typically if you pick a word processor, you're getting the whole suite. If you're picking a spreadsheet, you're getting the whole suite of applications. So, yep. and they do work best together. Just remember too, that if you pick Google, it has to be online. It has to be over the internet. And there are some offline capabilities and things like that, but just keep that in mind. It's pretty limited. So let's talk about, I guess one of the things that, you know, you could use a basic word processor during meetings and storing information, but what are some tools that we use? I, I think a lot of people call these suites your second brain. And I think Alicia knows what I'm talking about with this, but softwares like Notion or things like that, 
and I know uh, Alicia, you've used Notion. I've used it. It's not accessible. So I'm curious what you guys use. I'm I'm really kind of keen on this new DevonThink for Mac because that's what works for me. But what do you guys use as your place to collect thoughts, information, and to do things with it? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> so I use, obviously I I use Notion. Notion is like my second brain. It is a where I go to put my thoughts down. It's where I go to organize my thoughts. It's where I go to brainstorm. It's where I go to to like make plans, have to-do lists. It's where I go to 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 it's where I go to do a lot of things. Schedule something. Like I have I have things that I do in Notion that like nobody knows about. It is my entire second brain is where everything goes to to hibernate like I, I it is my thoughts it is my thoughts in a in a server it is my thoughts in a cloud it's really what it is if you don't know what notion is it's basically like a it's pretty much a hub for pretty much every type of information you can account for like there's different blocks and headings and you can assort them you can use it to take notes you can use it to track projects you can use it as your calendar you can use it as you can you can use it to create tons of different things and some people have even used it to create their websites which i think is absolutely insane i'm going on a tangent <laughs> i've even seen people using it to make job applications right right absolutely it's crazy what you can do with notion and the first, it's kind of sad, really, because the first thing people think whenever they open up a page in Notion is, whoa, okay, blank page, unlimited possibilities with all this other crap to do. I'm overwhelmed. So if you're going to use Notion, I would recommend like using a, I would recommend first seeing if it's accessible enough for you to use it because it is kind of inaccessible it's it's not really quite the uh, it's more of a low vision software than it is a totally blind software i will admit the second thing you're probably going to want to do is like watch a tutorial on it because it does a lot of things you can use it for a lot of things so it's important to like know what you want to do with it third i would recommend checking out the template store because they do have a template store and that template store can give you a bunch of different ideas so yeah, check, check out Notion. Michael, you want to tell people about Devon thing? Yeah, but I'll I'll do that. But Taylor, what what do you use? Because I'm kind of curious because a lot of these tools are not usable I for you. I don't have so. one at the moment, and I do <laughs> need one. I don't like I said I can't find anything that's accessible that I like, so I don't really have anything at the moment. So I'm gonna have to look into that. Maybe Taylor, we can find you, you one. Have you looked into Microsoft Loop anymore? I have, but it's like there's still a lot of unlabeled components and stuff. That's interesting because the iOS app is actually pretty good for Loop. And so I'm that will be interesting if they do make the web version better. But I have not tried it a little while, so I will admit yeah. that. Yeah, that'll be interesting to follow up with. And, you know, we could have podcasts on each of these applications in full, but we just don't have time for that right now. So, you know, we're just starting this podcast, but we may later on. 
but DevonThink is an app for Mac, and I, I, we may do a comparison article on the iAccessibility report about this because I think it'd be very interesting to compare Notion and DevonThink. DevonThink is very accessible, at least its desktop and mobile apps are. Their web server is not so much, which was mm-hmm. kind of a shame because we were hoping that Taylor could use that. But, you know, that saved me $499. So, you know, that's okay. <laughs> and so it's, DevonThink lets you do what Notion does. I don't know if Notion lets you do RSS feeds, but I can import RSS into DevonThink. I could scan documents with and read text and pull text from them with DevonThink. And it's the most secure second brain software I've ever, ever seen because it stores at first, it stores it on your computer. We need to we need to coin this term second brain software. Registered right. trademark. Registered <laughs> trademark. <laughs> but, but what it does is it it stores it on your computer. And then you can store your information in iCloud, but if you store it in iCloud, you have to enter a pat. You have to set a password. So if I go and cl- and sync up that database on iCloud from another computer, I have to enter that password. Same with Dropbox or WebDAV, which is a way to store files on a web server where you can just access it. So it is it it, it does support collaboration, but it requires extreme security to use. So I really like that. It's because I've known people that have said Notion does have major security vulnerabilities, which is kind of a sad thing. Especially if you're a developer writing custom code, you really don't want that custom code that's not open source to get out in the public domain. And so you you don't want to always store it in Notion or things like that. A lot of people use Obsidian, but even that has accessibility problems. It's a very neat application, but again, problems with accessibility. Although I may eventually look at comparing the two of like the three of those because I'm I'm always looking for the best tool at the right time, you know. So it's it's very interesting to to look at all of these, but I think it's good to pick one. And Notion is kind of that that middle ground where people can use it, you know, if you're low vision. But I would say if you're totally blind, then look for other alternatives, you know, loop or other things for even drafts is a good way to just get information down the drafts app, which, of course, there's one problem with that, too, not for Windows. So Taylor's just kind of at a disadvantage no matter what she does. So Yes, I am, but, you know, it's okay. But she makes do. But I think that if you want to be very efficient, these second brain apps, as we are trademarking, are very <laughs> useful. Oh, so. they are. I mean, and I'm not going to discount that. In fact, what I'm actually doing right now is I'm trying Loop again as we speak on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I've been muted, because I've been trying Loop, and I've been getting a whole bunch of emails. So it's been like, ah. So, yeah. So That has been what I've been doing. You know so what? I'll keep you posted. I'm thinking... Maybe, Michael, we do an eye accessibility report. Maybe I can find some alternatives to Notion and maybe write about them, talk about them, maybe just like a listicle of different different like Notion alternatives that are more mm-hmm. accessible. That'd be cool. And maybe we can, I'll do some research and play around because I know Devin think 
I might have to get access to your Devin thing because let me tell you, I'm not going to pay 199 a year. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> you're on an I, you're on an iPad, and yeah. they have what's called Devin Think to Go, which is I think I think they do a forty five dollar lifetime, or it's either a year or lifetime or two something two dollars and something a month. Makes me wonder if uh, there's a family share, if I can yeah, access I'm, it. I'm wondering. But the neat thing about the Devon thing to go is you get all of the capabilities. You just don't get the one thing you cannot do is add RSS feeds in the in the to go app. So a lot of that stuff has to be some of those things have to be initiated from the Mac version. But you could you can add a vault so the database or add a database whatever they call them, and and we can go from there. So it'll be interesting to try out. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I can do some research on like these sort of second brain softwares and see if there are any others out there because I'm sure there are. It's just a matter of like trying to figure out like which ones are going to be the best. Right. For people like us. I'll be very interested how this goes because we've been looking at this for over a year. So. It's it's all good information, but I think we should probably move on to our next topic. Yes. And I think we should talk about, because this is another big issue, is communication, as in phones. Woo! You know. Oh, boy. We we all have cell phones, at least I would imagine. Duh. <laughs> I mean, I spoke to somebody today that didn't, and that was surprising. Oh, uh, brother. So, yeah. So, it's very interesting <laughs> to hear what other people have, you know? So we all have smartphones and most business owners do, but what should you, should you use your smartphone, your personal number for business? And I would say no, I would say no. And the reason is, is that if you get a phone call, you don't know who it's from. It could be your personal or it could be business or it could be spam. And you don't know if you should answer your phone saying, Hey, this is Michael. What's up? Or, Techopolis Online Solutions. This is Michael. How can I help you? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely right. So it's it's good to have that separation so you know to address somebody as a business contact or if you're addressing somebody personally. And there are several ways to do that. So at Techopolis, we are using Zoom phone, but there's other ways too. <laughs> And Taylor, why don't you talk about one of the ways that you've used that you're you're getting rid of it, but it is a useful solution for business owners that need this through their carrier. So why don't you talk about your Verizon setup that you had? So right now, like I said, I'm getting rid of it just because it's you know a pain and it's kind of pricey. But I had an extra line on my well, actually, it was another line. I don't know. It's an extra line that connects to my business phone number. Now, the advantage to this is that you will get the same call quality that you get if you did a standard call, you know, the same audio quality and so on and so forth. The disadvantage is that it's a lot more expensive. And what I found out yesterday with Verizon is that I have to do a user recertification security check every three months. That basically boils down to answering a whole bunch of questions about your business every three months, the same questions over and over again, kind of annoying. 
So I would say for those businesses who are really, really small, like myself, I would just say get a Zoom phone. Like don't even bother with Verizon because I think it's meant for more bigger businesses. But if you are a bigger business, then, you know, maybe if you have employees, maybe then you could look at Verizon or other carrier solutions. Again, it just all depends on what floats your boat. The other thing I had was a Verizon business internet through them. That was a good thing. However, I just didn't seem like I used it enough. So with that reason, I'm just like, well, I think I'm just going to get rid of this now because I don't use it. But those are kind of all of the solutions and things that I've used in the past. Yeah. So it's it's really depending on what you need. And, and Zoom phone is a good option because it is $15 a month on top of if you have Zoom meetings and things like that. So it's not bad. You pay You pay once for your numbers. You keep them. They're yours. So like Techopolis has a very techie phone number and I love it. It's two technology-based numbers in it. There's 512, which is, you know, a typical RAM size, and then 2048. Be careful with is, that. Well, that's fine. People can have our number. <laughs> All right. People All can right. have our number. We don't uh, want the it, wrong one getting the number, though. <laughs> you know. The wrong people, yep. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it has a 512 and a 2048. And it has, you know, those two bits of information that, that make it sound very techy. So the rest of it, you'll have to either go to our website whenever that's up there or figure it out. And so it's, it is very nice because you, you pick your number, you keep it, and it's just a very good way to, you know, use a business phone. You also get an... You can set up an IVR where somebody can record, like, you know, press one for this, press two for that. So that's very useful. You can have office hours on the Zoom phone. You can set all of that up. So it's really a nice phone situation. I have questions. Sure. So can someone text you? Or is it just phone calls? Yes. Okay. How would you receive calls and texts? You have the Zoom app on your phone. Now, I don't know if people can text the main number in Zoom phone unless you assign your line directly to the main number, which you can do. But like for Techopolis, we have the main number go to, it rings multiple, like it rings an IVR. Now, for example, Taylor has another phone number that she purchased on the Zoom that she can text from that's her business number that connects to Techopolis. So... Mm -hmm. That is, you can text from those you lines, can. but but like the Techopolis number cannot text itself. Yeah, got it. Okay, so when you answer a call, is it going to be like, is it? Are you going to get like something from Zoom? Is something from Zoom going to pop up, or is there going to be like a normal like? How would you? A, a window from Zoom, a Zoom window comes up, and you answer the call. But you can also, cool as this is. Move that call into a Zoom meeting. Yes, and I've done that. That's so many cool. Times. Yeah. So you can answer it on your computer. You can answer on your computer. Well, not just answer on your computer, but you can you can start, you can answer a call and then make it into a Zoom meeting so then other participants can join the call. Oh wow. On Zoom. Oh wow. So you can do like a whole conference. I've done that and it works. I mean, it makes sense. 
it makes sense because people can dial into Zoom meetings with their phone. So it it does it makes sense. Yep. So there's other options as well. Like there is pretty much every, you know, one of these meeting platforms, even Teams with an office plan has something like this. Google has Google Voice, and they have, if you have Workspace, like we could get the Google Voice for Workspace, but I think that's $20 a month. I so, so. so there are other options, but I found Zoom Phone to be one of the best. Now, there's also ways that you can roll your own system, and we have friends that do this through a service called VoIP.ms, V-O-I-P.ms, and they use an app called Groundwire, and they could even set up their own SIP phones, SIP phones, and they're like desktop phones that can actually make calls, and it's actually cheaper than Zoom phone. You only pay for what you need, which is kind of neat. So it's much cheaper, but it's more work to set up your own system instead of just pressing some buttons and Zoom phones on. Now, I will say the Zoom phone interface in their app is not the, or setting it up is not the cleanest, but it does work. So it's really all in what you want to do and and how complicated you want your setup to be. But I will tell you, like, the VoIP.ms is very customizable. There's another service called Twilio, which lets you do a lot more customization. So those are all things that you could look into. But Zoom phone is really, you know, when you're starting out, it's pretty easy to, to get set up. I have another option. Okay. It's very quick and dirty, and I don't really recommend it. I would recommend going with one of these nicer options here. But if you absolutely have absolutely no funding to be able to have a business line and you think you need a business line or you feel like a business line is a smart idea, then considering like these VoIP phone number services for free, like Vi- like something like Viber or maybe TextNow is an option. Even TextNow, I think, will give you like a like a SIM card now that you can put in another phone and use that. And it's like actually a number you don't really have to pay much money for it. But the drawback with something like text now is yeah, it's free, but you're also going to be riddled with ads everywhere. Whenever you go to like message people and communicate with people. And you're also, if you don't receive calls to that number, you have to find out how to text somebody or call somebody because let me tell you, there is a 30-day period. If you do not get any calls or you do not receive any calls, you do not text people on that number for 30 days, you lose that number. So you can't get it back. You have to change it. I think it's easier to go with one of those nicer options like these business phones or Zoom phone or Google Voice or VoIP MS are just these nicer options. But if that is like your only route, it's an okay option. Yeah. And, and one thing I do want to mention with anything that you're going to use, when you know, you, you, you've heard the saying, I'm sure you uh, tell me who you hang around with. I'll tell you who you are kind of thing. That's that goes for business owners too. If you use a tool that is kind of subpar and people kind of know that, 
then they're going to judge the quality of your business. That's just the reality of it. So mm -hmm. when you're looking at these things, do what you can and, you know, look at the reputation of these tools that you're using and say, how will my clients or customers feel about my business based on the tools that I use? Does that make sense? So if you feel like something is, you know, usable but inexpensive, but kind of may not work the best, then evaluate what will my customers think if I call them with this, right? What do my customers think if I call them with lower than average voice quality? What do my customers think if I have to jump through hoops because to get them to do something when another company can offer a more automated solution? Those are all important things to really think about whenever you're starting your business. You know, I, I always look at people that start businesses with Cash App and Venmo, and I'm like, oh, I don't know that I'd buy from them. Yeah. I don't know that I'd buy from them, you know, because those are personal services that are now being used for business, and I just don't feel like those should ma mash up, but people do it, and I just don't. I I would be very hesitant, you know, hesitant to purchase from those businesses, whereas somebody with Stripe or PayPal, even PayPal is a little more reputable, and they're PayPal and Venmo are the same company, I believe. <laughs> yep. So, so, you know, even PayPal is a little more reputable than Venmo. And so I'm going to be more apt to pick that company that has the, the more reputable business tools than somebody that's, oh, yeah, you can cash app me, which, you know, cash app is owned by Square. So we'll do your research. You'll find out that even, you know, these tools like Square or Stripe, they don't have much of a barrier to entry. Mm -mm. So, you know, take the time instead of just saying, I'm just going to sell my stuff using Cash App. No, go look at the, what's actually out there for businesses. You'll be surprised what you can get for relatively inexpensive, you know, costs. No, there is, there is Venmo for business now. Yeah, I was about there, to say, there is. And you can is. set up a, you can set up a, you can set up a seller profile and you can invoice people. It's not, it's not like a, it's not like a request for payment. No, you can actually invoice people. Yes, you can. And my client it's, uses it. Yeah, exactly. You can use these tools for business. You just have to create a business profile on them. You can create a business profile that is secondary from your personal profile. So mm -hmm. it funnels in to your personal account. So like, let's say if you have, if you have a bank account linked to your Venmo, it's going to funnel into that account but it's going to mark it as a business transaction rather than a personal transaction. It's still a very, it's an easy service. It's not as reputable right now, but I'm sure as more, more people start using it, it will become more reputable. And yeah. I should also mention that there is such a thing as business cash app, which is weird because cash app is owned by square, but there is such a thing as business cash app. And I don't recommend either of those. And I'll tell mm. you why. Because if they're funneling into your personal bank account, oh, you're still going to get a 1099 if you go over $600. And then, you know, QuickBooks, you know, you'll have to go through and mark all of those transactions. It's still a big mess. And, you know, if don't you're just... Do that. Yeah, I mean... I'm the bookkeeper in the room. Don't do that. That's yeah. Just <laughs> It's, it, it's a very big hassle. I mean, if you if you don't have a lot of business expenses or business, if, if you're not a big business, if you're just kind of doing a side, you know, freelance kind of thing, 
if it's not your mainstay, then that's fine. Like if it's a hobbyist business, like, okay, I might use that if I start building and selling computers, right? If I started building and selling computers on the side because I enjoy doing that and it's fun to me and I could sell them after I build them, I might use Cash App or Venmo business, right? That would be a good use case for that. Yes. But if I'm if I'm moving through several thousand dollars a month of contracts and invoices and things like that, it is not a good thing to to use those kinds of, of tools. Yeah. Like an Etsy store? Maybe. But a bigger business or even even what you're doing, you know, Alicia, as a as a freelance writer, I don't know that I would use a tool for that. Like Venmo or Cash I App just because no. absolutely yeah. not. No, I don't yeah. recommend it either. Yeah. There's there's too many pitfalls with doing that kind of yeah. a thing and too many ways that things can go wrong. And actually, you know, we kind of segued into another area, which is payment processors. And so, you know, if you're running a business and you're not doing a hobby business, you know, Stripe, Square, uh, you know, we, we, we use all of these Stripe, Square, QuickBooks, PayPal. HoneyBook. <laughs> I love my HoneyBook. I have well, only had it for like a couple of weeks, but I can tell you like, HoneyBook actually does have their own payment processor and you can invoice someone and get paid Stripe. through. And I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, they probably go through Stripe, but like they're they have their own, like, yeah. yeah, they're powered by Stripe, hmm. but they still have like their own like invoicing system and things like that. It's just powered by Stripe. Like, sure, they use Stripe to like process, mm-hmm. but it is their own like custom built around the stripe platform so i like honeybook because it's cool it can do more than just payment processing now for reference stripe is like all of the other systems but what makes stripe different is it is a completely customizable payment processor it is actually built for developers so it is it is not the most front-end centric so when stripe came out you could hardly do anything with graphics. It was all based on building up web pages around Stripe, which is very difficult when you want to use it for certain things, right? <laughs> yeah, which so, now I know how to do that, but still. They're adding more and more features, like Stripe with Link, where you can you know, have a portal from Stripe. But all of those things are are late in the game, they did not start out that way. It was very much code-centric first, but they offered some of the best deals to get started too. When when all of this started, Square was only a brick-and-mortar business system first. Even for websites, it, for buying things, it was brick-and-mortar only. It was not a digital goods company. All right. So, so Stripe was kind of the way you had to start for digital goods. And so it's very interesting... You know, that there's so many options now. I mean, PayPal was also one of the original ones out the gate, too. Mm-hmm. So those those were kind of the three that, you know, you had to work with. But my recommendation is, is look at all four of them and pick the one. Well, pick. I mean, well, we use all of them mm-hmm. for different yeah. reasons. Although we don't really use PayPal because of their outrageous fees. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, PayPal. Sorry, not sorry. 
So it it just depends on on what works for you in that situation. I love that I could just go to invoice.new in any web browser and quickly fire off an invoice in seconds. That to me is amazing. And right. that's Stripe. That's Stripe. Right. So it just depends on your workflow. HoneyBook is great. There are a very few accessibility issues in that mm -hmm. software, but it works well on mobile, works on desktop. It's a good CRM and payment I system love, and all those things. I love HoneyBook because it is a very good all-in-one type software. It does it does contracts, it does payment processing, it does a CRM, you can use it as a CRM. It does project management, it does time tracking, it does appointment scheduling, it does it it does all of the it does all of the freelance things. <laughs> And I'm sure those things are not just freelance things, but for me, it does all of the freelance things. I think it's amazing in the in the week I've used it so far, because now today works exactly seven days since I've used it, because I purchased it last Monday and just started playing around with it. And now I'm like, yes, HoneyBook, HoneyBook all the way. But... <laughs> I started with just using an invoice software and using like, I, I, I started using like an invoice software. I started using Zoho CRM, which is free, but it's also a mess. I started using, I started using Stripe and let me tell you, I liked Stripe. Stripe was, Stripe was actually okay for me. It was, it was easy to use. I could go ahead and set up any, an invoice. It was super quick, but what Stripe didn't do was contracts. Square did contracts, but I didn't really like how you had to go to your computer just to send a contract. You had to go to your computer. You couldn't use it from the app. You couldn't do any of that. You you had to go to the computer. The Square, Square was just for invoices, like especially the mobile app. So I had to find a solution where I didn't have to worry about that. I wanted to make sure that contracts got signed. Then I found DocuSign. DocuSign was a bit too expensive for my liking, especially since all it was for was signing documents. It was not not the right not the right software for me. Then Adobe Adobe Acrobat came around and well that's like 32 bucks a month. It does more, but it's still kind of outrageous, especially if you just want to use it to sign documents because you might not use all of the other features that it has. So, yeah, I fell upon HoneyBook because of the price. It's literally like I got the starter plan, which is like $135 a year. And when you first start, it's going to be like $105 a year. And then like the, the, then there's like a $16 plan and something like that. I don't know. It, it doesn't go up that high. It's not that expensive. As we pointed out, though, it does have some accessibility issues in the like the, the web version of it. But the mobile version is really intuitive and actually really easy to use accessibly. And so, it can be worked around the accessibility issues. I can send contracts. Yeah, it's just a few it's just a few unlabeled buttons here and there. 
But if you click them, you can find out what they are. It, it's not that hard. And most of them are styling. Right. Most of them are most of them are styling and there's one for like refer and earn. But you can also access that somewhere else. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter that you can't access that one specific button. And some of those other buttons can be accessed somewhere else. So it's it, there are workarounds and you can get around it. And I feel like Honeybook needs some improvement, but you can get around it for the most part. And it's pretty easy to use. So if you, it, I will tell you though, setting it up is very overwhelming because it does so much. It's kind of like another notion. I would like look at a tutorial or something like that to get it set up because it, it is kind of like another notion. It's like one of those big spaces that does a bunch of things. It does all of the things in one place. So it's, a bit busy and it's a bit overwhelming but once you figure it out you're gonna love it especially if you if you need an all-in-one software like i do my so i've signed techopolis up to use this and i i feel like it's very easy to sign up it's very easy to get started through the app you can have now the contracts through the app were very basic compared to what you can do on the computer but I, I'm always the skeptic, or I did not used to be the skeptic, but you know, when I hear of a product that costs as little as HoneyBook, I always ask, what is the catch? What is the, how are they getting away with having a product that is so inexpensive that can do so many things? And, the, and you know, I always kind of worry about those kind of things because there's no such thing as a free lunch. And... This is pretty close. And I mean, let's look at, you know, Google with uh, many of their products, like for the free products that we get as Gmail users, you know, they're scraping all of our data to get that and we're the product, not the customer. So I always kind of wonder with things like HoneyBook, what's really, are are we the people they're marketing to or are there businesses that, you know, they're marketing to? So I don't know. I still got it because it was the best deal for what we can do. But I'm always going to have, what's that term? Constant vigilance? <laughs> I think the way they make their money is like on the enterprise plans. Yeah, really? Well, yeah. well, yes. But again, you know, Google makes money off their enterprise plans too. But I'm wondering what data they're selling to enterprise plans and things like that. So it all is just in the matter of, you know, what what are they doing? How are they collecting information? And are they being sneaky, you know, about it? But again, it's kind of like, you know, anything else. You use what you can use to get the job done. It's interesting that I've, ne I've never heard of HoneyBook until a few weeks ago. And then all of a sudden I have. And I've been around the internet quite a bit. So it that that also kind of makes me a little funny. You know, I've, I've heard, heard of, about it. Yeah, and then I forgot about it. So, <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard of, of course, HubSpot, Zoho, all the other big CRMs, Jetpack CRM. But I've this is kind of a first for this one for me. So it's it's always you know when you hear about something you've never really heard of in the big circles, it's kind of like, well, why why aren't more people using this? That's I guess that's kind of my, why aren't more people taking advantage of the good deals, right? I think I know why. It's not marketed very well. Like, the only, like, real marketing I found, it was on TikTok. 
But the only real marketing I found was them turning like blogs of people using it into ads. Like, like I saw like this, this person that was like, welcome to a day in the life. And then it was talking about like how she uses HoneyBook for her freelance stuff. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't like necessarily meant to be an ad and it was turned into an ad. Granted, she probably selected that permission so that they could do that. And she probably gave them Mm -hmm. permission, but it's not really marketed very well. And I think that's why it's so it has it. The demand hasn't gone up as much because they're not marketing it so hard. They're not, they're not pushing it out there. Like, I feel like there's just not as many people that know about it. And I feel like that's kind of why they get away with the low prices because they don't have a lot of people and they're trying to get more people in. Right. I think we're getting close to the top of the hour, but I think there's one more or, well, we're past the top of the hour technically, but for the sake of the podcast, I think we're getting close. I think we should talk about websites. Like if you're starting a business, how do you get your website up and going quickly? And that's something I think we all have some experience in. And there are several things that you can do here. One thing that I would recommend people look at, I know everybody else is going to groan and say, oh, God. But if you are a business owner and you're low vision or you have sight, the really the easiest way to do it is Squarespace. That oh. really is the quickest way. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. I actually like Squarespace from a visual point of view. Because it does make accessible websites on the front end. It's just the back end that's hideous. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried it, so I would not know. Yeah, you can actually make very nice looking websites with Squarespace. It's it's really drag and drop, but they and they're trying, they're really trying. Like I could tell that they're really trying to make it accessible. But just the way that they market it and the way that they built it just does not work with a keyboard. Now, what's really neat is that the Squarespace mobile app does make things accessible. There's like move up and move down buttons for the menus and some really cool stuff that you could do on mobile. And I mean, it's it's really not a bad experience and they're not a bad company. They do some, you know, they're there's some kind of in some weird waters with domains right now. But the oh funny my God. thing is the funny thing is Squarespace doesn't do their own domains. Did y'all know that? Well, Taylor does. Could that be why they bought Google domains? No, because I bet their parent, I don't think that Squarespace. So Squarespace does all their domains through a company called two cows, T U C O W S. And they were very well known back in like the nineties and two thousands. They, I think they did download.com and a bunch of other places, but they're also known for another website called hover. So when I moved a domain from hover to Squarespace, it was like that four hours, boom, done because they're both owned by two cows. And so I think that, and two cows is a great company. And, and so it's very interesting knowing that their domains are through there, but you can buy your domain through there. You can get your their reseller of Google Workspace. So you can get your email and all that set up through there. You can do all those things, and it just works really well. And it's just a great drag-and-drop 
experience. So they also have a good stock photo library. So check that out. But DreamHost is another good one. And that's who we've been using until recently. We're, well, kind of half and half. And they're great. They have shared hosting and VPSs and manage WordPress hosting as well. All right. And really, really DreamHost managed WordPress hosting is about the same price as a Squarespace site. So it just depends on if you like your websites WordPress or if you like them Squarespace. <laughs> what about Wix? That's another I, option. I have never, I've tried Wix once. I just didn't jive with the interface. I mean, there's to tons of options out there, but I just didn't like the interface as much. I would, I would write, I know I've heard people say that Wix works with Google to get some of the best SEO on their websites. That's one thing I have heard. Yeah. One thing I will I, talk about with Wix is their interface. Actually, I don't know how long it's been since you've used Wix, but their interface has actually become a whole lot more visually pleasing on the back end. And that was really easy to like navigate for me because I, I had a I had a Wix, I had a free site from Wix for a little bit. And that's what I was like running all of my my stuff on. But I, I didn't really like using a free site. And I really wanted WordPress because I knew what I was doing with WordPress. I didn't have to worry about, I didn't have to worry about a, I don't know. I don't know. I knew what I was doing with WordPress because I'd had a WordPress site before. And I knew how to build with WordPress because WordPress wasn't something that I, I don't know. It wasn't unfamiliar to me. Wix was very drag and drop, but I didn't really like the options I had with Wix. It was it was easy to put together, but I didn't really like the options that I had. I didn't like the site that I got out of it because it just wasn't my best work. But the 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 actual interface for Wix was it's very visually visually pleasing and it's actually pretty intuitive to navigate now. I don't know how long it's been. Taylor, what are your uh, recommendations for websites. I, I mean, I think I know, but I would like to hear what your thoughts are. So mine, like I said, if you're just doing a basic website for WordPress, just use DreamHost. It's the simplest way to go. Um, I mean, you could also do other things like you could, you know, use something that Michael's maybe talking about. I don't know. But, you know, it just all depends. The only issue I've had with DreamHost is that sometimes their speeds can be a little bit less than optimal. But if you're just doing like a brochure site for your business, it's not really that big of a deal. But like for Techopolis, like we're doing a whole bunch of other stuff, you know, more interactive sites. And so we're 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 using something new. You know, I think those are the really the highlights. If if you're starting a business, those are, you know, of course accounting software, all of those things. But the, these are kind of the highlights of what you're going to need to start a business. And, you know, we can do episodes on each of these categories if we wanted to. But I think that this is kind of kind of sums up some possibilities in each category. So, you know, Techopolis, you know, I think we should round out the episode. What do we use? And so Techopolis itself uses Zoom phone. We use WordPress with a service called Spin Up WP because we can customize things. We're a tech company, so you know it's easy for us to do that. We use Zoom, Zoom Phone, and we use 
What am I missing? Honey book and Stripe. Stripe. Yep. Don't forget Stripe. So, mm-hmm. I also kind of wanted to talk about ZCal a little bit because I don't I don't think they they're a small business and I don't really think mm-hmm. they, you know, get much love. So what ZCal is 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 basically a free appointment booking. So like if you guys have ever heard of Calendly, you know how when you if you've ever been on the user end of Calendly, you click on someone's link, you'll book you'll pick a date, you'll pick a time and it'll you'll be asked some questions and then it'll book a Zoom link for a call for with someone. Now basically Zcal does that for free for for like the one person user level for free forever. So there you go. Zcal. That's Zcal. That's Zcal for you. It does everything that Calendly does, but for free forever unless you are an enterprise plan. Yep. So there you go. And they're working on bringing that out. There are other solutions like Calendly. There's uh, Fantastical has their own version. Zoom has their own. Even t- uh, Microsoft has their own. Everybody has their own scheduling software now. So it's just, you know, I would, in my opinion, check out Zcal. It's a great solution. But also yeah. look at what you have built into your own software. Like if you're ha- if you have Microsoft Office, especially that if you're paying fifteen dollars a month, you have your own booking software. Yeah. You know, you could get Calendly. That's, you know, that's an option. If you want, you know, if you have Fantastical and you're in the Apple world, that's an option too. So there's Calendar has an option. So I, yes, yeah, I just scheduled some office hours yesterday with my professor and she just had a Google Calendar with some slots to open up in book time. I didn't know. Yeah. You, they have their own, they released that. I might have had a hand in that. (laughs) <laughs> that was one of like my main requests of features is an appointment booking because if you had an appointment booking that linked straight to your calendar you would immediately be able to like book you would be able to like book hours straight into people's calendar and it wasn't really you know it wasn't hard to use it just sounded like so simple and so right I didn't know Zoom had an appointment booking software. Can we talk about that a split second? Yes, they do. And I we we tried it. I think it's like it's it's an extra expense per account. So it's not some. I think it's like six dollars a month per per account. It wasn't. Yeah, and it had some accessibility problems too. So weird. Yeah. I didn't even know that existed. I know Microsoft had one because they've mm-hmm. been trying to compete with Calendly for years. But I don't know, man, I, this whole openings software, appointment booking software didn't really come around in my mind. And I didn't think I ever needed an appointment booking software until until one day I realized that a bunch of people had an appointment booking software and I realized that it would be like really useful for me. So now I have one. <laughs> but, well, you know, I, I think we could have an, uh, an entire episode on the proper <laughs> use of appointment calendar software. Right. We probably we, could. Because I think that there is a right way and a wrong way to use it. So, yeah, I think that's a, a good topic for another episode. Maybe next episode. We don't know. Possibly. Tune in next we'll time. Mm-hmm. But shall we, shall we round, shall we, shall we wrap up the episode? I think it'd be a good idea. All right. Well, 
I guess, Michael, since you're co-host, I can start with you and then we can go on to Taylor. What's your, what, what's you, what's your business? What, what's your business? What's your business tip? And where can they find you online? So my business is Techopolis Online Solutions. We do app development, web development, accessibility, and copywriting. And my tip for this time is when you're looking for new tools, figure out what your business goal is. Figure out what you're doing. Come up with a plan and research what software will help you reach that goal or your plan the best. Also look at, you know, your preferences. If you're an Apple person, what do you need to be on Apple platforms? If you're a Windows person, what do you need to run your business on Windows? You know, we we have a lot of talks on our different podcasts about, you know, what works best. You know, on Mac, it's more the native apps. On Windows, it's becoming more of a web platform. So what works best for what you're doing? And figure out the the solution that works best for you. And talk to people and say, what do you use? Talk to other business owners. Use communities. Find out. And and I my that's my recommendation because there's so many different options out there. It's what do you pick? We even go through several different versions of the same tool per year because sometimes they make things inaccessible. Sometimes they, things get moved around. So sometimes it's just finding the better tool at the right time. So that's my tip. And you can find me online. You can email me, mikedoeys at iCloud.com. You can find me on Mastodon, mikedoeys at techopolis.social. And I'm on Facebook as Michael Doeys, and you can find me everywhere. So, and on LinkedIn. So, although the interesting thing is, I need to get my SEO on LinkedIn because another Michael Doeys is before me in the search. So, just oh be no, careful. yep. I didn't even know that was a thing. I can help you out with that, Mike. Yep. Anyways, Taylor, go ahead. Let's see. My business tip is. When you are looking at software, you know, kind of have a budget in terms of like, I want to stay under X amount of expenses. Because if you don't, you're going to be in, like a month later, you're going to realize, holy crap, my expenses are high. That might be good for tax deductions. That's not good for having money in your pocket right now. So what you want to do is you want to have a certain budget where I say, for example, I want my business expenses under $200 or I want my business expenses under $100. That way, you know, and you can kind of make a tech stack based on those different qualifications of, okay, you know, I I have $200, I guess, in my head to spend on X softwares. Let's see what I can do to optimize that $200 a month so that way I can get more money in my pocket. Where you can find me online, you can find me at tayarnt at techopolis.social. You can also find me on YouTube and LinkedIn as well at, or sorry, Taylor Arnt. I am also pretty much all over the web. So if you search for my name, you should be able to find me. What's your business? My business is Taylor Arnt LLC. I do bookkeeping, payroll, virtual assistant, and other services. I specialize in service-based businesses, and I would love to help you guys. So, And, of course, the financial person picks the finance tip. Anyways. (laughs) As for me, my business tip that relates to this episode is probably 
use use these free trials wisely. There are a lot of software as a service for business that uses no credit required, no credit card required trials. Use them wisely. Try a software for a week and see if it actually works in with your plan. And if it doesn't, try another. Maybe don't try them all at once because that could become a mess. If you like to try them all at once, then be my guest. But maybe don't try them all at once. Use these free trials wisely. Try different softwares. Find out what works for you. The most you do is you find one you like. And then you actually put money into it so that you can use it for the time and the goings on. If you don't have one you like, then you'll find another one and you'll try another one. And maybe you can find another one that works for you. Use those trials wisely. That's my business tip. As for my business, my name is Alicia Geary. I am a freelance digital copywriter specializing in email marketing, and website content. I can also do website design, but, you know, nothing out of my... I'm not a developer. I... You can find me online as Alicia Geary on LinkedIn and Facebook. You can find me on Discord as Blind One Lives or Alicia Geary. You can find me on... You can find me on Macedon as Alicia at techopolis.social. And you can find me pretty much everywhere else as Blind One Lives or Alicia Geary. Just look me up. You'll find me. Trust me. I think that is going to do it for another episode of Visibility. If you liked what you heard, then feel free to share the content with your friends. And thanks for listening. Have a good one. Have a good one, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.